The toothpaste is out of the tube. It is happening too fast. And we have to accept that it's happening too fast because there are 25,000 business lenders in North America and the people who are traditional are losing market share to the people who are digital. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 93rd episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Karen Moynihan to the show. Karen is the co-founder and CEO of Boss Insights and they are a data platform that digitizes access to business customer information, accelerating all parts of the lending cycle to deepen relationships and grow revenues. Welcome to the show, Karen. James Robert Lay, hello, how are you? I am doing tremendous. It is always good to have a conversation with you and I'm glad we're recording this one because I feel like every conversation that we've had, we could have hit record and have created exponential value for the dear listener. Hey, third time's a charm. We gotta do it when we gotta do it. Absolutely. And one of the things that I want to open up with that I typically always do is just what is what is going well for you right now? What is good in your world? What are you excited about either personally or professionally? Okay. I guess I'll start professionally because we're talking about banking on digital growth here. The world has recognized now, there isn't really any putting toothpaste back in the tube, that we have to have a digital approach to working. There's no like, there's no, well, maybe I just want to go back to the old manual way. I think we're going to see a huge amount of changes. And that's really going to benefit the very group of people that Boston Sites was launched to help benefit, which is small and medium businesses and small commercial businesses. Because it used to be that whatever you wanted to do, you had to do with paper. And that was either paper or PDFs, which is just electronic paper. It's sent by attachment, but there's nothing you can do with that information. So I'm really, really excited about the fact that there's a general acceptance of the fact that we need to, as a banking industry, as a lending industry, support businesses if we're going to have the right to work in this industry. Mm. So I think that's the biggest change. And with that has come so much chat about who has the right solutions and who's going to work together and whatnot. So the other thing I'm really grateful for is the incredible amount of collaboration. You know, you'd think when you're talking about banking that everyone's an autonomous, I can't even say the word. Everyone's a robot. Autonomous. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not like that. I've spoken to CEOs working till two or three in the morning, CEOs of banks. I've spoken with private lenders figuring out how to serve businesses now. And it's only by collaborating that we're getting it done. So you're a hundred percent with that. Cause this idea of competition must fall by the wayside, because if you think about if from a competitive mindset, Mm -hmm. 
We're looking and playing a zero-sum game. There are going to be winners and there are going to be losers, and we're playing to hopefully not be the loser. And I'm looking at this from, you know, collaboration is far greater than competition in a digital world that opens up so much more capabilities that weren't available even five years ago, 10 years ago. And so now it's, you know, I had Dan Sullivan and you and I've talked about Dan with strategic coach. He was on the podcast and we were talking about his book, who not how there is a world full of who's available for financial brands, like the work that you're doing. So let's talk about collaboration. Sure. When you think about collaboration, what is one thing that holds people back from leaning into that because once again historically this has been a competitive space what holds someone from from leaning into a collaborative mindset first i think people are built to be competitive or collaborative by nature Mm. but there's also a learned component so even if you're a competitive person you can learn over time that collaboration will serve everyone better and there's phrases for this right the rising tide helps all ships there's things that we know a really good example and maybe this is too simplistic is have you heard about the example of the orange where two people are fighting over an orange no and the suggestion is to just cut the orange in half and everybody goes away happy Here's the problem with that. One of the people wanted the orange because they're the inside of the orange to make the juice. And the other person wanted the peel because they're making a cheesecake, which by the way is my favorite. So if you split that orange in half, everyone walks away half as happy. That's the problem with a zero sum game. There are true games in life where it's zero sum. And most people who are innately collaborative try and avoid them by nature. But in banking, where we are sitting in the middle of a huge battle for who controls the flow of capital, yes, nobody can do it all. There's regulatory, there's products, there are data aggregators, there's core providers, there's alternative core providers, there's banking as a service providers, there's business loans, there's consumer loans. I'm, I'm just grabbing names out of that. Nobody can do it all. And so the only group of people who will always lose if you have a zero sum game is the end customer because yes. their solution will not be the best solution. It's a great That's, point. Yeah. That's a yeah. great point. And I love the analogy of the orange and you mentioned cheesecake. I'm thinking old fashioned. I need the pill for the old fashioned well, slice. Slice You're right. Off of, off of that. But I'm You're also right. thinking, I'm also looking at this from an anthropological perspective, because if we go back and we look at like, you know, how, cultures and societies were built it was from a collaborative standpoint right like because it's like if we're competing against the same resources we're going to lose something along the way but when we stop that competition and we start collaborating we're working together towards a higher purpose to build something even bigger to build something greater than ourselves that could that's where like one plus one can equal three or one plus one can equal ten because we get a multiplier and technology is a multiplier i've always said technology Technology can multiply complexity. Technology can multiply simplicity. Technology can multiply collaboration from this perspective here. I want to come back to this idea around some of the work that you're doing. I saw you recently shared a quote from Mary-Kate Loftus on LinkedIn. She's the Senior VP Director of Digital at M&T Bank. And she noted, with data, opportunities are limitless. So... What are some of the biggest opportunities you see for financial brands thinking about data, thinking about the business customer, thinking about business customer growth, that end 
consumer because that's who we are ultimately working to elevate yeah. through the work that you know people like you and me are doing through the work that that bankers are doing what are some of those opportunities thinking about that quote with data opportunities are limitless i love that quote opportunities are limitless and that's true we are sitting at a time in our society where opportunities are more limitless than they've ever been and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a bad thing mm. let's look at this in terms of financial services philosophically we're supposed to be serving the customer that does not always happen but that's what's supposed to be happening right that's, that's the name financial services yeah we got to put the service back into financial services why is it not happening? Is everybody working at a bank or a private lender evil? No, they're not. <laughs> they're all working really hard. The problem is that a lot of that work is manual. Now, picture a time where you're trying to grow crops in a field and you don't have a tractor. Are you going to get as much done? You are absolutely not. I was one of these loan officers. I was a commercial banker and I was, my task, my mandate was go and get 10% new business growth every single year. So if you had this many loans on your portfolio last year, you need to get this many loans, but they have to follow all of these rules and you have to get all of these things done. And the net result is you spend 80% of your time clearing off your desk to do 20% of, you have 20% of the bandwidth to do your actual mandate. Yeah. So that M&T quote, opportunities are limitless with data. What we've solved what we're actually doing is getting rid of all of that manual work. And it's not just manual work for the lender, the businesses suffer too. I was told by the bank that I was working at that asking businesses for financial statements and other data was actually an opportunity for me to build a relationship. And the true part of that statement is you have to build a relationship because the business you're working with has to trust you. Yes. The false part is it, never sounds like anything more than asking a business to go and clean up their room. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. Or, or when I ask my kids to go clean up their room or pick up what are the, it's, it's a complaint. It's an, it's an annoying pain and frustration. I'm like, you played with the toys, go put them back. But there's something like it, it's work, it's complexity and it's friction yeah. for the business owner. I can be very empathetic to that. Cause like, for example, this whole PPP having to pull all that statements, all the finance, it, just, it, it was not fun. I mean, word, right? Like, but I completely agree with you. 11 page forms that are compared to doing your taxes are really too much to put both on the business owner and on the lender. We've never seen this style of lending before. We have never actually, businesses are just trying to get back to business. They're selling their wineries, their restaurants, their accounting firms, their legal practice firms, their trucking companies. Do you think really that they, ever had the privilege to just sit around and figure out an 11 page form. No. So Chris Nichols put out there that he had something in the 30s percentage of the SBA accepting these forms and approving the loans. And the SBA tweeted back, no, 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 it's 44%. So by the numbers, when we automated the gathering of the data and the completing of the form, we had 75% approval. Yeah. It is a foregone conclusion. But that's not even what I take to the bank. I take to the bank that one of our customers, CC Bank, told me that their customer said that we saved their business, that they'd recommend CC Bank to anyone and already have. You know, that Carver Bank said, you're allowing us to get capital in the hands of diverse and visible minority business owners. That First Savings Bank is 
saying to us that they're adopting a fintech first strategy. This is what I mean by collaboration. We could never do what these lenders are doing. They're building the relationships, they're addressing the customers. What we can do is take away the pain. That's all. With your you being up in Toronto, I cannot help but think of Issy Sharp. Learned a lot from him just through reading, founder of the Four Seasons Hotel. Wow. And, and he has a quote. We must systemize the predictable so that we may humanize the exceptional. And when you think about the Four Seasons brand experience and how it makes a person feel, this idea of systematizing the predictable, it's what you're talking about right here from the lender. Because now lenders have more time to humanize the exceptional, to build the relationship and I think that's what it all boils down to in this digital world. You know, we think, oh, it's all technology, technology, technology. No, it's about using technology to bring people together for good, to create value and make everyone's life that much better. Let me ask from a lending perspective, and yeah. I hear this, I hear this on, you know, on the ground level. Lenders are like, oh, this technology, it's hard, it's complicated, it's just going to add confusion to my world. I'm so used to doing it this way over here and it's like you know there's a better way but it's that mindset that holds people back from really leaning in what would be your recommendation to someone who knows it philosophically that life is going to be better on the other side when you add automation in but they think automation ai my job is going to be replaced but that's not the case yeah, and I mean, it depends who we're talking about. Are we talking about the career banker that has a lot of art? And mm-hmm. you know, there's art and science to this thing. So are you Very talking true. about someone who can recognize character? That's one of the five season credit, and it really matters. So who you're doing the deal with is everything, right? Yes. So, so that matters. And actually, we agree with that person that we're not going to change character. You still have to evaluate that. What we're doing is taking away the the menial secretarial task, which quite frankly should be put to a computer. It shouldn't be given to a human being. A human being needs to look at the information and then make a decision. That's the difference. So it's if we're talking to the loan officer or if we're talking to someone really high up at a private lending company or at a community bank or at a credit union who feels like it's just all happening too fast, I actually say to them, I also agree with you, but the thing is, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Yes. It is happening too fast. And we have to accept that it's happening too fast because there are 25,000 business lenders in North America. And the people who are traditional are losing market share to the people who are digital. And that's just a stated fact. Don't blame the messenger. CB Insights said you were losing market share at one to one and a half percent every year. 2020 hit, you lost 9% market share. So what traditional lenders have over the latest in fintech lenders is the full service relationship. Yes. I'm a business owner myself. We need full service relationships. So there's an advantage there. 
Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. There is because it's the it's the old adage of fintech being a death by a thousand cuts or <laughs> or we look at this as a holistic opportunity to provide exponentially more value across the spectrum to that relationship and as you mentioned things were moving fast, things sped up even more with COVID. Where should a financial brand start thinking about data to optimize the lending cycle to once again, come back to the central truth, deepen relationships and grow revenues? Where should that conversation begin internally? So we're coming full circle here. The service part of financial service. I'm just going to give an analogy from my own personal experience. I was a banker a decade ago. I'm, I'm muffling the word decade because I'm, I'm in my twenties. Clearly everybody. You started, you started, you started when you were 10. I started, I started really young. I was Dookie Hauser, essentially. <laughs> a reference that really dates me properly. So everyone yes. should. <laughs> um, so, so when I was a banker, I had to look at my book of business and I would get either every month or every quarter. I can't remember a printed out spreadsheet. And I would see my entire portfolio and the products they have. And then I'd have to look up on the bank, on the digital systems, what's going on. And if I found opportunities, I would call them and I'd say, hey, we're noticing that you're not really getting paid on time, but everything's looking really healthy with your business. Do you want to bump to your operating line of credit? Do you want some capital? Why are we using people for that? If we have a real-time connection to their financial data, which the business consents to give, the marketing team can see the entire portfolio and give them a button saying, apply for your upgraded loan. Do you know that would be so much easier for the business founder than having to have all the conversations with the banker? So we have to do a couple things. We have to use the data to our advantage. We have to give the appropriate respect to business owners who are providing the data and show them what their business looks like from a financial services perspective. And then we all have to appreciate that we are there by virtue of the business itself. Yes. That right there is really something that that I do a lot of teaching around, which is to empower lenders and marketing teams, because this is not a single responsibility. This can really create value exponentially throughout the organization, marketing, sales, service. But to take a proactive stance 
in a business owner's life versus a reactive stance, meaning no longer do we have to wait for the business owner to come to us to raise the hand. And I want to make this very practical because I just I wrote down four brand experiences that have done this for me and are continuously doing this for me. There is QuickBooks, obviously. QuickBooks is coming and making proactive offers to, to extend credit to me. Yeah. There is the Amex relationship, and it's literally click of the button. You know, I could get, I think, like sixty or eighty thousand dollars like that. I mean, and it's a simple solution. There's the gusto relationship on the payroll side and the HR side, and then there is the Shopify side of things. And things, yeah. And so these are all, you know, Amex financial services, you know, legacy player. But when you think about QuickBooks, that's accounting. When you think about Gusto, that's HR. When you think about Shopify, that's e-com. And they're all now providing value to a business or to a commercial client that was not the case five or 10 years ago. Right. So I noticed you didn't really have any private lenders or community banks or credit unions in that list. And the punchline of my story is that everyone who was commercial bank, who was doing commercial banking with me, who are now leading commercial banking teams, has literally word for word said what you just said, James, that we are reactive, not proactive, and we cannot figure out how to change this. My question is, why not? You know how long it takes to get a Shopify integration or a QuickBooks integration with Boss Insights and a branded experience, an hour, one hour. We've done all the coding. So I honestly want to ask the question as well, because when Kennedy wanted to get everyone to the moon, he had to speak to the people who said, you're never going to do this. And what I need to do is not speak to people who believe without a shadow of a doubt that we have to figure this out collaboratively. But I want to speak to the people who say, no, this is not going to happen so that I understand what their biggest objections are. It's really important for us to learn. Anybody in this space who is trying to shepherd in the future to be now, uh, Tobias from Shopify said 2030 digitization is here in 2020. Anyone who's trying to do that needs to understand why people are opposed to it and how we can protect them right? Their interests might be valid. For instance, a hugely valid interest is protecting the right of privacy for the business owner. That's hugely valid. So we need to hear that. We need to internalize that. We need to protect the interests of people. Absolutely. And, And when you think about this idea of you can get an integration through Boss Insights yeah, with QuickBooks, with Shopify yeah, in an hour. Yeah. And then be able to pull in that data to a financial brand to where that financial brand can come back on the other side and make these proactive offers based upon someone's real-time financial behavior, financial activity, financial status. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. And what are the roadblocks that you're hearing that are holding people back from capturing, coming back to this quote from Mary Kate Loftus, with data opportunities are limited, limitless. What are the oppor- what are the roadblocks that are preventing others from capturing opportunities here? 
I think one of the biggest roadblocks is that the mandates given to financial institutions, if we're talking about banks and credit unions now, not private lenders, the mandates are very general in nature. Go digitize. Well, okay, should we digitize the business, the consumer? Should we be talking about lending or should we be talking about deposits? There's just, that is a huge umbrella. So you have this very murky mandate. And then it's not like Boss Insights is the only fintech or enterprise tech in the land. It is Tinder out there. People will swipe right or they will swipe left and you have no idea why. And the only thing you can do is say, can you give me any sense of what's going on in your thinking pattern? And maybe people will tell you or they won't. But looking at it, not from our point of view, but from their point of view, do you have any idea how many times they're saying, I have the answer to all of your problems? It must sound a little bit like want to buy a watch, you know? <laughs> um, so they're it's selling, they're selling rainbows and, and unicorns and the pot at the end of all of that. I try so hard to, when I'm out there talking or doing thought leadership, or if I have the right to be in front of any business lender, what I try to talk about is we have two things, a single connection to your customer's financial data and a portal that's branded to connect you to them. Do you need those things? And if you get those things, you're going to speed up your lending five times. You're going to cut your employee costs by 60%. If you have tangible results, then if somebody's interested, they can find you. But if you're talking about this general better world to come, yeah. how does somebody on the other side translate that to their mandate, which is already very general? Well, it sounds like, it sounds like to me, you're putting people at the center of all of your thinking and all of your doing and technology is just the tool to make all of these connections a possibility, these connections, a reality. And as a result, deepen these relationships to, to grow two things, to grow a, a financial brands portfolio, but also to grow a business or commercial account, like to help them out on the other side of that equation. And I'm curious to know, what is one belief that this industry has about data, about business clients that you just passionately disagree with? Where might the majority think X over here, but you're like, I don't know, I'm really thinking it's gonna be Y over here. What would that be? I would say that there's a divide in the industry right now between people who believe that they're selling alone and people believe that they're offering a best in class Mm. predictive experience. And we're on the side of the best in class predictive experience. And we're enabling anyone who doesn't have the capability to build it for themselves to get access to it this week. Right. But if, if you believe, I think there's, there's two beliefs. One is sort of like a philosophical belief. Oh, I use like in the wrong way. There should be a like jar here, like my science teacher in high school. (laughs) So there's a philosophical belief that I disagree with. And then there's a business belief that I disagree with. We are not selling commoditized products. I could get a checking account and a savings account anywhere. Do you know what I need? I need an easy way to send payments and receive payments from businesses. I need somebody who understands what products I need so I don't have to become an expert in banking to operate my own business. You'd think that a former banker would know that, 
but that's not the case. You don't. And so I believe as a business owner, I believe as a banker that dealt with hundreds of businesses. And I believe after the last bunch of years in this industry, selling to lenders, that we are not selling commoditized products, that we are financial services. And we're our job, our responsibility is to accrue the best in class tech so that they get the best in class experience. That's what I believe on the business side. And on the personal side, people are just not expendable. There isn't another one. I I think it took me a while to realize why I believe this. I am the third generation. I never thought of it this way of somebody starting their own business. So when I was growing up, I heard stories about a man moving to Canada at 16 years old. And that's when he tried his first fruit. Every time a business owner, whether it was somebody asking for $250,000 or $25 million, every time a business owner came to me, I took it with that urgency and I took it with that seriousness. And this is life and death for people right now. This is the life and death of their business. We owe it to them to be able to measure them on their own metrics of how they're doing in their business rather than external cues. It's that simple. I even want to go deeper with this because as a business owner, as an entrepreneur who's been doing this, you know, since I was 19, you know, my last real job was waiting tables and playing in a punk rock band, working at Old Navy. So like, there's a lot of psychology tied to this too, because, you know, everything that we do as business owners, we put a lot into the business. And now that the pandemic, I'm seeing that psychological toll. Like for example, in a couple of executive peer groups that I'm in, I'm so grateful and so fortunate to add value to this conversation over the last you know, 14, 15 months through the book, through the podcast. Because on the flip side, people in my peer groups are just barely getting by and it's been a tough road for them. And that's where financial services at a macro level, starting with leadership and then working its way down at a financial brand, putting the transformation of people over the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents and doing that through a best in class experience that makes people feel good and gives people a sense of hope for a bigger, better, brighter future. I think that's what we're all working and striving towards. This has been a great conversation. I wanna end on one last point and let's get really practical here because you know, when we look at all of these changes that are happening, it can feel very complex, it can feel very confusing, it can feel very overwhelming. But all change is transformation. All transformations begin with something small, a step in the right direction. Let's get really practical, let's get really small. What is that one step, that first step that you would recommend the dear listener take in the next step forward in that right direction to make progress on their own journey from what we've been talking about today. I'm going to give you the practical step, but first I just, James, I have to thank you on behalf of everyone who knows you for always connecting the dots. We're involved in what we're doing and we're sitting there solving one problem and it's really complex and it's really fast paced. And and I don't know what we would do without you to really put it all together for us. So thank you. The one thing, the simple thing that a business lender can do is just set yourselves up 
to offer the business owner another way to share their data with you. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to change your lending model. You don't have to do anything. Let them send the information the way they've always sent it and give them one bucket, one button on your portal or one button on your website to share information in an automated way. You don't have to boil the ocean. You can take a single step and you'll see that there are so many people here who are dying to collaborate with you and all they want to know in return is, what did your business customers say? That's yeah. all we want back. That's the stories because that's the humanity of all of this. It's how is what we're doing transforming the lives of businesses, transforming the lives of business owners, transforming the lives of even their employees because we keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole. And at the end of the day, people want two things. People want help, people want hope. And hope has to often come far before they're able to, to accept that help. But with what we've been talking about, we can proactively offer both help and hope at the same exact time. Karen, if anyone is listening, they want to continue this conversation that we have started today, what is the best way for them to reach out, follow up, say hello, connect with you? We're on LinkedIn under Boss Insights and we're at bossinsights.com. We are actively growing customers, clients, we're hiring and we're in the middle of a seed raise. So if anyone wants to reach out, please do. Excellent. Please do reach out, Karen. Keep up the important and meaningful work that you and the rest of the team at Boss Insights continues to do. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.